Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. So today I have my friend Leanne Oten back on the podcast. You guys loved her when she was on before, so I brought her back for some more. Before I get to that, I just want to let you know that if you have questions that you want me to answer in another Q&A episode, load them all up on kateanthony.com slash questions, and I will do probably be doing a couple, um, two or three Q&A episodes throughout the summer. So I will happily answer your questions when you submit them. Today, as I said, my friend Leanne Oten is back. Uh, Leanne is a former counselor who helps women decide whether to stay or leave their toxic, abusive, narcissistic relationship without wasting time going to therapy. How about that? (laughs) And today we're talking all about what happens on the other side? So we talked last week with Lundy Bancroft about, you know, sort of post-separation abuse in the court system and how the court system really um, does not support us in the aftermath. And now we're talking uh, with Leanne about really the emotional experience that victims have, like when they're on the other side, when they've left, when they've sort of, when we think that it's going to be like, whew, I made it. (laughs) And then we are shocked by what happens uh, on the other side and our emotional response to it. So I am super excited and happy to have my friend Leanne Oten back. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Leanne. Leanne, my friend, thank you so much for coming back on. You're welcome. And we're going to talk about, (laughs) we're going to talk about the aftermath. (laughs) right? The after Um, the the hell that comes after you get out. Yes. Of specifically out of an abusive marriage. Right. I mean, that's really specific. And there, there's something very specific in this when that happens when a perpetrator is losing power and control, right? Because what they like to do then is do everything they can to get it back. Right. And we've heard that adage that it takes women seven times to actually leave and stay gone. And I actually think that it's a lot more than that because I think there's a lot of um, many like smaller types of leaving where there's discussion of leaving and they take steps to try and leave, but then they get convinced to come back into the relationship fold without actually having to leave the house. Right. So I think there's a lot more to it that it doesn't always mean Mm -hmm. they've left physically seven times, but they've tried to. Yes. They've tried to, and, you know, they say that, you know, leaving is quote easy, right? That's like the easy part, but it's the staying gone. Mm-hmm. That is the really hard part, right? So even once you've got gotten out and you think, okay, I did it. I can breathe. What happens next? Right. And that's what I think a lot of women are not prepared for because initially there's that sense of relief. 
like, oh, okay, there's a bit of relief. But once all the dust settles and the reality sets in and you start to get into that fog of forgetting how bad it actually was, you start questioning, was it really that bad? Was it me? Maybe it was me. Look, they're happier now. It looks like they're doing better. They've moved on with other people. They, it, you know, maybe it was me. And you crash. Right. Their relationship, their relationship is so great. Mm-hmm right? Like he's with someone new and they seem so happy. And like, he doesn't seem to be abusing her. Huh? Maybe it was me. Yes. And that can make you spin out very quickly. Um, And what I have also seen with women is that they do literally start to forget about the bad and they're only fixated on the perceived good. So they're Uh just thinking about, oh, this good time and this and that and all these things. And they're trying to make sense of that. And they're like, well, wait, why did I leave? Like, I miss this person. Like, they think missing Mm -hmm. this person means that they shouldn't have left. Yes, right. Yes. And I think also there's, you know, it's like labor, right? The body kind of forgets the pain. (laughs) You have to (laughs) to survive. You have to to survive, right? You, we would the the human race would never continue on if we remembered the pain of labor. That's right. Because <laughs> we would never do it again. Yeah. And I think there's something similar, right? And because our brains don't necessarily know the difference, right? Between physical pain, emotional pain, right? In our brain, it's still like the, the trauma response to it is similar. So the forgetting I think is normal. I'm making all of that up, but I'm pretty sure that that's how it works, right? (laughs) right? I think every woman that's been in this type of long-term marriage, especially long-term will be able to say that, yeah, I, once I got out, I started questioning if it was the right thing. I started questioning if it was really abusive. I started thinking it was actually my fault because of all the gaslighting and the no ownership taken on the other side. It's all placed on, on you. Um, And also that the, the ex ends up moving on rather quickly very quickly. Right. So then women are like, well, I guess it was me. Like he's, you know, he's doing better now is how it seems. Right. Mm -hmm, Meanwhile, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the women who have been in this and are trying to heal, they're like, I can barely function and get my days together. Yet he seems like he's doing perfectly fine and has just completely washed his hands of everything. Right. So maybe when he said that, that like I was the problem and I was a miserable person and it wasn't him, maybe he was right. Right. Because I can't seem to recover and I can't seem to move forward. Right. Right. Like I'm the mess and, and and women can start to act out in ways through that. Um, if you, especially if you have like an attachment trauma or you have, um, an abandonment trauma in your history, then it can start bringing up all those wounds and you can start actually acting in ways that might make you look a little unhinged, like without a better way of looking at it, right? You can start reacting in ways out of that wound that might make you look quote unquote crazy. And then that just feeds into the whole narrative as well. I'm just going to say like Amber Heard, (laughs) right? Like that's, that's what we're talking about. Anyway. But yes, that's, um, that is, that's right. Right. And then you, you look like the crazy one, you feel like the crazy one. And, um, and then you, then you question yourself and then you can start to backslide into wanting to go back. Right. I think it happens with nearly, I mean, I don't think there's a case where a woman can leave. Maybe there are, 
I haven't heard of any where they just leave and never look back and never have self-doubt, never question, never miss the person, never oh, wonder if they made no. a mistake or if they no, sit there and they're blaming so. themselves. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, yeah. the guy just goes on and just acts as if that marriage relationship union didn't ever exist. They're very good at that with these toxic dynamics to just somehow having you feel as though you are completely washed aside, nothing you had and shared matters anymore. And they're able to just move on. But then there's some who continue to try and rope them back into the relationship by saying they're going to change that they're going to work on it. They're going to go to therapy and, you know, all, all the list of things. Or by continuing the abuse, right? Like, so there's, there's also, so there is the like roping back in, wanting to come back in. I'm sorry. I miss you. I love you. Or the like complete, like (laughs) chopping off, like it never happened. But there's also the people who, who use the separation as a time to continue the abuse because they've lost power and control and they're working to get it back. And so they'll continue to abuse using the court system, using the kids, using whatever tools they can to get back at you. That's true. That can be a nightmare as well. That's a whole other topic, isn't it? About like the divorce process, the legal stuff, Mm -hmm. the co-parenting when you have kids and you have to be in some kind of contact with them. So this whole like no contact thing is just not feasible when you have kids. You can't. There's, there's, There's other forms of contact and keeping it to a minimum, but it can be really easy to get roped into a whole thing with them just through a simple thing that starts off with the kids. And then it ends up being this, this whole thing, right? Right. Because you can't just go no contact, delete, block, erase. It doesn't work that way. No, but this is why we have, this is why God invented co-parenting apps. This is why we need to use all the tools that um, are available to us because a co-parenting app will put that buffer between you and the abuse. It will, right. You can not check it all all the time. You can turn off the notifications. You can block them from texting you. And when they know that they have an audience, they tend to behave a little bit differently. Yep. There's one that I quite like, and it's called peaceful parent. And what I like about it is you can have canned response only. So he can only, um, he can only respond with a canned response. There's no other way he can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can set the amount of time, amount of messages they can send a yeah. day. And like how many minutes between them? Yeah. I had her on the podcast. I don't think, I still think she doesn't have uh, Android out yet. I think oh. she still just has iOS, but um, it's, I think it, it is great for, for um, abuse situations. I think it's harder to get an abuser to use that one. Yeah. Cause they're like, I'm um, not using this thing. Right. Like don't control yeah. my communication. Right. Something like our family wizard or fair is easier for them to, to, to like enroll them in using because there has other features that are, that they really like, like, Oh, I can post photos of the kids while we're together so that you can see them, or we can have a shared family calendar and we can share expenses and all of those things. So yeah, I agree. um, Those are much better because having access via text is way too tempting to get into it and get into those long drawn out text arguments that just are so draining and stressful and go nowhere. Uh, (laughs) and Yes. And I want to say, right. That I have a lot of clients who are like, when I talk, when I bring up a co-parenting app, they're like, yeah, but I still have to, I still have to like 
I can't block him because he has the kids. Right. And then I just like, why not? <laughs> and why not? Mm-hmm. And why not? And why not? Until finally they're like, actually, I, you're right. Like it, it takes a while for them to get around the idea that they can actually block their, their ex, their kids are going to be fine. If he can't text them and text her immediately, the kids are going to be fine. There are other ways to get in touch mm-hmm. with you. Um, and, and it's, it's really okay. Yeah. And I know, um, for me, like that was like an anxiety piece where I was that, that would have been like, for me, like, oh, I need, what if something happened? So what's yeah. helpful is if you have a landline, I know most people don't anymore. I do. I, I do. No, I've I had it for like yeah, 20 years, it. the same phone number, but that's more mm-hmm. just for that. For that, if someone needs to get hold of me in an emergency, they have my landline if I don't pick up my cell phone. So there's mm-hmm. that option as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, women don't realize once they've left how easy it is to get sucked back into the cycle of all the craziness, even though they've left. Like you just said, the continued abuse that can go on after. Um, or the ghosting. Um, the other thing that they will do is just like not answer you on logistical stuff on purpose, like making a yes. plan, money stuff, stuff about the kids. They'll just ghost you and just not even respond for days. And you're trying to sort things out. Like those are the yes. kind of frustrations. And that's power and control, right? Right. That's what that is. And so, you know, and this is why a co-parenting app is so good because you then have this evidence for a court that it's it's unalterable, yeah. right? Because you can delete text messages, you can right, you can rearrange it to look good or bad, right? But in in this case, in you know these things on co-parenting apps, they are not changeable. Yeah. It is a real documentation of a lack of cooperation. Yes, and that's and you can actually go in and print those out. You can print all of the yep. communications out which with the text would be a lot harder. So I think there's yep, lots exactly. of reasons why moving it to a separate app is a really good thing to do. One of the things I was thinking about just touching on here is the emotional aspect of what lies on the other side once you've actually gotten on the on the yeah. other side of like what's going to yeah. come up for you. Um, that might be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. The grief is so shocking. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's, I remember, I remember being like, why am I dreaming about him? Why am I, what the fuck is going on? Why do I feel this way? When I was the one who was like, yeah, get me out. Yeah. I'm out. And I was thrilled about it. Oh my gosh. And I could so really, and people are like, I wanted this. Why do I feel this way? Yes, that is what is really shocking. I found that as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's just for women that are in these relationships, it is real for them. They're putting their heart, soul, everything into this. It's real for them. Their feelings are real. Yeah. Whereas when it, how it appears is that for the other, for the partner, it just kind of feels like it's like, oh, well, on to the next. Like, let's move on. When, when she is there trying to pick up all the pieces, she often has the kids most times and she's trying to uh, pick up all the pieces with the kids at home if they're not with him equal time or whatever. Um, so it is real. And there is a lot of grief because from what I understand, what I know from myself is that it was something that I really wanted to be okay and to work out. 
so badly. Yeah. And, you know, you have your own mm-hmm. memories of having kids with this person and memories and vacations and family dinners and just day-to-day Saturday stuff. You know, you have good memories. There are yeah. some good memories. So you're the one that's feeling the grief, whereas it appears, I mean, we don't know. I don't like to patho- pathologize. I don't like doing that at all, but you know, it appears that they don't seem to have a lot of that guilt, remorse, grief, pain, suffering, rock bottom when they leave, they just yep. go on to the next is what it looks like. Right. That's kind of the pattern. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. And, and you're right. Like we have no idea what's really going on with them at all. Often if they are just like moving right along, it could be, um, that, you know, that they're burying their feelings or, you know, it could be that they are, you know, uh, narcissists or sociopaths who actually don't have the right, but we don't, you know, know, and that's why I don't, but we don't know. That's right. We don't know what their experience is. And, and very often, you know, in a power and control dynamic in an abusive relationship, usually the victim is more of an empath who is trying to get the love back. They're just trying to get the love. They're just trying to get the love. They're just trying to get the love. And the abuser is just trying to get power and control. Yes. Like we are not playing the same game in the relationship. And so it makes sense that they would move along quickly because that, because it's not, it's not about the love and connection that we thought we felt. Right. And I think that can lead to the whole rock bottom. And, and the other thing that, um, I think is really important to touch on is when you're in the relationship, you are operating from the highs and lows of adrenaline and anxiety, the highs, lows, highs, lows, right. Looking for the next hit. And then when you come out of it and there's nothing, you can very easily drop into this depressive state, right? Because you're not getting the dopamine hit anymore. And we are, you know, that's the trauma bond is the addiction to that dopamine hit. And when we're not having it, right? It is like coming off of a drug. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's the, it's actually the exact same thing. It's incredible actually. And you might not be prepared for it. So I tell my clients, I just want you to be prepared that the hard part is coming actually (laughs) not to be a Debbie Downer, but you need to be prepared. Right. That's Um, right. And so it's not only that, but it's like physiological stuff. Like you might, um, like for me, I lost my appetite and just dropped a whole bunch of weight without even trying because of the stress Mm. could go the other way where you're more eating or drinking more alcohol to cope. Yeah. That was me. I drank, I drank for, yeah, I drank my way. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the thing you find ways to cope. Um, you will find that likely you're losing sleep. Like your sleep is not the same, um, other physiological things you're, you know, thyroid, adrenals, hormones, all this stuff could be kind of out of whack, right? Until you start to kind of catch that other side of the equilibrium of the, okay, kind of overall that, and that depends, it really depends on, I think on the work that we're doing to move through this, how long that lasts. I think some women can stay in that stuck place for years and years and years and years if they're not doing the work. Yes. So, yes. So, so what do we do? Like you said, like, you know, we got to prepare for it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have to do, do work around it. What do we, what do you recommend that people do? How do we prepare? So, and then, and then what do we yeah, do? Yeah. So I think the first thing that I think is really important as we were just talking about is very minimal, minimal contact as possible. Um, once you get out and not going into like a relationship talk, trying to get your needs met, trying to get validation, trying to get emotion from this person. Cause it's not going to happen, happen. Right. So to have that ex- and a 
agreement on the narrative and all of that stuff, exactly. right? Like stick to business yeah. as mm-hmm. usual, just business, business with the kids and business, finances yes. or whatever. Transactional. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I would say the other thing that's really important, and this is something that I did because even though I wasn't, I, did, I literally like couldn't eat or sleep forever, like for quite a while. So I literally was like not eating much and I would just make like power smoothies and make myself have that. Cause I'm like, I need something. Right. Um, right. So I would make something with the fruit and spinach and protein and chia seeds. And like, at least, so it's taking care of your body, making sure you're getting out, walking, get out in nature, move your body. Um, but the biggest, and this is the part that can be the hardest is just to, you have to feel the shit. Have to feel your way through it. It's going to suck. It's going to be hard. It's going to be brutal to feel it. But if we numb it and avoid it and distract from it completely, then we don't get to move through it. That's right. That's right. Sort of reminds me of just from like an addiction, since we're talking about addiction, um, that, you know, it is like because it is being addicted to that dopamine hit, right? And that I remember when my ex-husband was trying to quit smoking and he would go on the nicotine patch and then he would cut the nicotine patch in half for like a month or a few weeks. And then he would cut it in a quarter and then he would wear that for a while. And then he would take the nicotine patch off and immediately start smoking again. And so he had been, he had not smoked in a few months, but he had never been nicotine free. Right. 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 And what, when he finally like went into a program for it after many, many years, he was like, they were like, no, 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 no. You, you got to go cold Turkey and then experience. Cause, cause you've never been nicotine free. You've literally never been. That's nicotine a free, really right? good so, analogy. Right. That like, we have to go through the pain and the agony of the separation to get to the other side. Otherwise we're going to keep as soon as we cut that patch down to a quarter, we're going to start smoking again. Well, right? And to your point, every time you have any type of interaction with your ex is like, a, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that. I'm just having a little hit, a hit of nicotine, but it's a hit of that, right. that high or that. Yes. Um, I, right. you know, for me, what I noticed was just even like seeing my ex when we were doing drop-offs and things like that, it would get everything mm-hmm. all triggered and stirred up. So it is important to minimize your contact to only the necessary. Really it is. Yep. Not that it's easy to do yeah. that. I mean, you go from spending five, 10, 20, however many years with someone and to only get to this, to get to this place where you're like, I can't even like speak to this person. I don't even want to, see. and that might not be forever, but when it's raw and just like, that's right. It's so raw and new that is how we have to take care of ourselves. It's like, it's like you said, you're trying to quit smoking. You need to go cold Turkey and not have any nicotine. You have to see it that way. It's kind of like too, with alcoholism, right? If you Absolutely. use alcohol, yeah. you're not just going to have one shot. Uh, hell no. <laughs> right. Like hell no. I, exactly. Three and a half years, zero alcohol. Yep. In my life. Right. So if like, you just were like, I'm just going to have a little shot. How would that work for you? Oh my God, I can't, I can't. And now a word from our sponsor, the Divorce Survival Program. Now that you know that divorce is on the horizon, you need to get up to speed on how all of this works. STAT. 
You probably have a million and one questions swirling through your head from how and when do we tell the kids to will my ex and I ever get along again and just about everything in between. You've got legal questions, you've got financial questions, and you've got a whole host of questions about your kids. And that doesn't even touch how you'll start your life over again. Lucky for you, I have the answers to all of your questions. As one of the pioneers of the divorce coaching industry, I've been helping women navigate the divorce process for the last decade. And now, for the first time ever, all of my divorce wisdom is available in one online program. The Divorce Survival Program will help you process the emotional fallout of your divorce so you don't go into mediation bitter or resentful. It'll help you understand the difference between litigation, mediation, collaborative divorce, and identify which is right for you. It'll help you tell your husband you want a divorce in a way that doesn't keep you stuck in a circular conversation for the next three months. It'll help you tell your kids you're getting a divorce in a way that won't completely break them. It'll help you understand how your divorce will impact your friends and family and what conversations are appropriate to have with each. It'll help you create appropriate and healthy boundaries with your ex and learn about dating after divorce and how that will affect you, your kids, and yes, even your ex. But most important, the most important thing this program will help you do is protect your children from any unnecessary fallout from an ugly and contentious divorce litigation. And that, my love, is fucking priceless. So sign up today. Go to kateanthony.com slash getting divorced and don't forget to use the code DSGPOD for $50 off. That's DSGPOD, Divorce Survival Guide Podcast, because that's where you heard it. DSGPOD will give you $50 off. So once again, that's kateanthony.com slash getting divorced. And now back to our episode. I will say I did this all wrong. 13 years ago, when I got divorced, I did it all wrong. We were, you know, we went straight into being best friends. And that talk about that too. And (laughs) yes, let's, we went straight into being best friends. And then, cause we were both like, woohoo. All right, we're done. We don't, you know, we stopped getting our emotional needs met from each other. We're good. And so we became best friends. And what that did was keep me completely vulnerable to his attacks When they would occur, they were fewer and farther between, but they still happened and they were brutal. Wow. Until I said, forget it, no more. And I cut it. I just completely cut it off. And then over the course of 10 years, we were able to rebuild our relationship to where we are. And the boundaries are still very, very strong on my side. And, you know, a toe gets dipped over that line and I, and like danger happens and I'm like, nope, I'm out, I'm out again. And I'm hypervigilant. But that's really good because I think that is what we're in for. When we, we have kids with someone, you're going to have to be in contact with them at some level, probably forever if you've got kids. Right. And so it's understanding where you've, you, you just said, dipped your toe, crossed that boundary line into, oh, 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 I just went over there and you check yourself and you come back. Right. That's right. Doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly. That's right. And I, yes. And I think that's so important for people to Mm -hmm. know is that this isn't, this isn't perfect. This doesn't mean you set a boundary and now like everything's fine. Like it will constantly be moving and changing and you will, you'll be like, ah, shit. Yeah. You (laughs) You you literally, sometimes I have found it's like the next day I'm like, 
crap, crap, why did I do that? <laughs> right. And all it is, is information, yeah. right? Like, let's not beat ourselves up about yeah. it. Right. It's like, oh, okay. I guess that's not a safe line, you know? Or like if, and then we, yeah. Move on. So for women that are like going back in, in the sense of like, seeing if they can work it out. I miss you. I mean, maybe we made a mistake. I'm, you know, maybe we should try and work on it or blah, you know, all those kind of things. And then you're just like yep. rejected, rejected, rejected. And you're like, I'm the one that ended this. And now you're rejecting me. That can be just like huh? a brutal double traumatization. Right. And also, by the way, that's probably part of the point. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was the design. And I always say to people, I don't know about you, Leanne, but I always say to people, um, if you're going to go back in, don't move back. In. Oh God. If you've gotten out to another don't, in your own house, no, <laughs> don't move back in. Right. If he, if he says he's going to change and he wants to do the work, let him do the work from over yes. there. <laughs> you don't, you let him back in when you feel safe yeah, and that's not in the like promises. No. <laughs> no. And I want to go back to what you were talking about this friend zone because it's common. And Being, for some yeah. reason mm-hmm. I have been watching now how often that these men are saying this, like, can't we just be friends? Or if you weren't so angry, we could be friends. Or if you could just cooperate with me, we could be friends. Or I'd like to be friends. To me, that is just saying, like, I want to kind of hang on to some of the benefits that you can give me if we're friends, even if it's harmful to your healing, right? So we have Uh to look at it as like, is that what's best for me and my healing? Because mine said the same thing. It's literally like, there's something about it. And I was like, friends, like you weren't even my friend. You're in the relationship. not my friend. You like, right. Exactly. You've never why been would my I want to give you benefits of having me in your life without you putting in the work to have me in your life. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Doesn't mean you can't yeah, be thanks. friendly. You have to talk. Sure. You can be cordial and amicable and keep it short and sweet, but that's right. Friends meaning like, doing things for each other or with each other, or like, what does that even mean? Right. Yeah. No, for us, it was, we did everything together. We, you know, spent all of their time, you know, holidays and time with our son, which also was confusing for our son. I'll say, cause he was, he was really little and he was, cause we were like, our, we got divorced cause we're, cause we could, cause we had a hard time getting along. Mm-hmm. And, and then he saw us together at Thanksgiving, Christmas, getting along. And he's like, okay, right right you guys get along great let's get back together right and for you that would have hindered your healing process though because that's basically like trying to not have alcohol and drink shots every day like that's right uh it, it just I see it as similar and I know there are some clinicians that are like oh my god this is stop it's not an addiction it's not the same thing I actually have a very opposite view of that because you know, going into psychology, my, my training is that, Mm -hmm. um, addictions can come in any form and, Mm -hmm. and their purpose is to kind of numb you to what you're feeling, right. That's all it is. This is a type of emotional addiction, right? Because it's that intense. There's something about it. Mm -hmm. And then, so when you get your hit, it gives you this like momentary high, when you're not getting it, you go to that very low zone. Right. And, and a trauma bond is an addiction because all addictive substances provide the hit of dopamine. Dopamine is what we're addicted to. We're not necessarily addicted to, I mean, maybe we are addicted to cocaine or whatever alcohol um, specifically because it's a chemical, but it's also the dopamine hit that we get 
in our brain. That's why we're addicted to video games and our phones and Facebook and all of that. It's the dopamine. And so in a trauma bond in particular, you are addicted to the dopamine hit that you get in the cycle of abuse when when they're love bombing you or when they're nice or when it's calm. And that's what I know uh, with women where it gets them confused because they get, even when they've left, they're like, Oh, he's being nice. He's, he's really being, um, he, you know, he's being really um, accommodating. So yeah. great. And they're like, okay, so why wasn't this happening in the marriage? Like why now is he being so great? It really messes with your head. I know it really does. And, you know, part of the reason that, that, that they're being so great is that like, first of all, that's probably part of the cycle, right? They're always part of them. That's great. And they're being great because there's no, like, there's no skin in the game anymore for them. Right. Or they're trying to get power and control back. Right. And that's, and I I also want to just say, because I know anyone that is listening, if they're in this part of the journey is that you're going to slip up and you're going to slip back however many times you might even give it more of a chance and like you, you know, dip your toe in, kind of test out the waters. Oh, he, maybe it will be different this time. It's, I think that that happens for the majority of women, that that's going to happen and to yep, not sure. let yourself go into a shame place, downward spiral of feeling ashamed because you might even behave in ways that feel shameful when you're or degrading, if you're begging to get back into the relationship or you miss them or whatever. And you might do things that are degrading to you, but we have to really be self-loving and gentle with ourselves that, that this is trauma, like traumatic to, to go through all that and then deal with the other side of it. I think that's so true. I mean, it is so true. There's no shame. I think that the push and pull that we feel and that we experience is part of the process. It is, it is completely normal, a completely normal part of the process. It is. It really is. And to be gentle with ourselves and really do a lot of self-nurturing, self-soothing, self-regulating, like the things that help you to come back into your body. Because when you are in these relationships, you're oftentimes like not attached to your body. You're just, you know, we're constantly just in this state of disconnection. So when you're feeling the feelings, the last thing we want to do is go into them. That's the last thing we want to do, but that's how we move it. And it, for me, journaling, like just getting it all out is the way, right? You just get it all out mm-hmm. of your system. It's a way to process. If you feel like you want to text your ex some kind of thing one more time to see if you can maybe get his vulner- or his um, validation, I have a tip for this is to type it out in your phone notes. And if you still think you want to send it like the next day, it feels like the right thing to do, do it. But yes. nine times out of 10, you're going to be like, nope, not sending that. You're going to be like, I'm so glad I didn't send that. Because if you do send it, you're going to wake up the next morning and be like, exactly. You send this long, (laughs) like like, drunk texting. (laughs) Oh my God. Totally. And then you're like, what did I do that for last night? Right. Right. So type it in your notes and then wait, wait 24 hours with it at least Sit with that urge to reach out because you will do it a few times and you'll regret it. Right. And you still might do it, but this is a really good one that I utilized because I realized I just had a lot I needed to say that wasn't, was never validated or, or heard, you know, it's there, it's in us. So we have to put it somewhere. Yeah. And there is a lot that we want to say. And what happens is, like you said, we're seeking validation. We are wanting them to understand if he could just understand exactly what I'm saying. Yes. 
but they <laughs> never will. If they didn't in 20 they years never, of marriage, you think they're going to now? Do you really think? Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. And yet there's something I else. <laughs> just try one more time and it just like get kicked in the gut one more time. Okay. I'm ready. Go. Right. Like it's, it is, it is baffling. It is truly baffling how we just, you know, well, like we said, we forget, right. Our, it, it, our brains force us to forget and think that if we try a different tactic, everything will be fine. I know. And I think, again, it is one of those things that I think every woman has to kind of go through and feel her way through all of that. Yes. And I think what's really important and why this is a good conversation is women need to know that it's normal, that it, this is what to expect. This is That's what right. happens. It's not, doesn't mean you or should have gone back into it. Doesn't mean that it wasn't abusive. In fact, I believe the more confusion and the more uh, turmoil you're going through on the other end, the more manipulative and abusive it actually was. You know, the harder the withdrawal, the more uh, deep that that addictive component is to it. I That's what I believe. Yep. More you have that confusion and you're like, oh, maybe it was me. Maybe he was perfectly fine. And then you start seeing all your own flaws and you're like, oh, maybe it was me because I wasn't perfect. Right. And you kind of can spin into a dark place. And like, yeah, there are probably things that, that you need to work on. Right. And that's perfectly fine, but that doesn't mean that you need to go back in, right. You need to find a, you know, a a good therapist, a good coach, somebody that can help you work through um, those feelings and, and, you know, have somewhere to put them and to have processes to to another thing that's really helpful is if you have like a really good buddy system, like you have someone that knows what you've been through and you can text them when you're feeling like you have the urge to text is um, like, I think what it is, we need somewhere to put that energy because it's really intense. The urge, it's like any addiction, the urge to use, like, I just want to explain this one more time, say it just right. Maybe he'll get it. That's right. Instead, text it to your bestie and say, Hey, can you, when I do this, can you just remind me why I left? Just remind me. I mean, listen, this is like, this is why, you know, 12 step programs exist, right? It is, it is the group that, that gets it. You and I each have Facebook groups that are full of women who get it. And then there's, and then there's like sponsorship, right? If we're just going to keep using this, this addiction. Yeah. Oh, I think it's (laughs) a good frame. I do. It is. I think it's a great Mm -hmm. frame because we, because, you know, you have a sponsor, you have someone that you call when you want to drink wise. That's smart. Right. And they talk to you about, okay, they talk you through it. I really like that. they, they, Mm -hmm. They talk, they talk about, in 12 step programs, like you, you think the drink through, okay. So you're going to have the drink. What's it going to feel like? It's going to feel great. I'm going to love it. Okay. And then what's going to happen. I'm going to have another. Okay. And then what's going to happen. I'm another, and then I'm going to start calling people and then I'm going to start breaking things. And then I'm going to end up in jail <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay. I'm not going to do yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And actually <laughs> when we're talking about this, I have been revamping some things in my program to actually have a component of it's like code, um, uh, like, a no contact anonymous, like, <laughs> and then have like, um, like a support, a support Body thread system. that is for like, when you're going to reach out, this is what you're going to do instead. Or yeah, another person I in love the program that. or something, because not everybody gets it. You're not going to go to your mom right. that doesn't get it. And, mm-hmm. or a friend that doesn't have a clue no. and be like, here's what I'm doing. I'm thinking about going back. And they're like, are you nuts? What are you talking not right. going to be helpful. That's right. You're not going to call 
some random person who has no problem with alcohol and be like, I think I want to drink, you know, right. You're going to call someone who gets it. You're going to call another alcoholic. You're going to call someone who's like, like who understands what it's like to want to drink that bad is it. And that is why the work that you and I do in this field is so imperative because to be able to have other women say, Oh my God, I so was there. And yes, that's me. I'm going through that too. It's powerful. If you don't have that kind of validation that you're trying to seek from your ex, you're never going to get, you want to get it in a healthier place where you don't have to explain. That's right. And it is that, and you know, it is that validation that we're seeking and we're going to get the validation. And, and so then we start training our brains, right? Because that validation gives us that dopamine hit. And so we're going to start training our brains to be seeking do- dopamine in healthier ways. Exactly. Because Dopamine's not a bad thing. No. It's the reward system of our brain, it's but where we're trying to get it from is not so good. If it's right. not a healthy source, <laughs> if the, if the source right. leads to more pain and suffering, we need to find another way. And it is retraining your brain to go. I was just about to text this whole thing and you stop yourself and you delete it. You put it in your phone notes instead. Like it's still like the feeling like you're texting it but it, it's just a way to channel it in a way that's not going to have repercussions for you. Cause you'll notice if you do that, you most times will never send that text. You'll be like, delete. Thank goodness. I didn't send that. Right. Yes. You'll get to wake up the next morning and be like, Oh God. <laughs> right. And that right there is a dopamine hit. And you know, the, I was just talking to my coach about, um, you know, the way to make the way to create new habits, right, is to make, when you're trying to make a new habit is to make it really convenient, right? So you put your gym, you know, they say, put your gym clothes on the floor, you know, so you have to trip over them. So you have to put them on, right? Um, and to break a habit is to make it inconvenient, right? So taking someone out of your phone, right, taking his contact out of your phone entirely or blocking it or whatever makes it really inconvenient. It's like an extra step. And just that extra step will make it harder and make it so that you like, that's really good. Go so that you go, Oh wait. Oh, but I can put it in my notes. Like Leanne told me to. Yeah. It's a way to, to get that energy out and move it and not Mm -hmm. put yourself in harm's way. The thing with the removing a contact is a really good idea. And, you know, maybe in some cases after there's been several months of healing, being done, perhaps you can text with your ex when it comes to your kids, maybe if it can stay on topic, I don't know that it needs to be like, who knows? You might also be in a situation where you cannot ever have that again. But I think for the first while, when it's raw and new, you need to have those barriers in place. I think removing the contact is a really good idea and just using the app. I mean, you know what you're saying about how controlling men would be like, I'm not using that app. Well, if that's the only means they have to get in touch with you, what are you going to, what are they going to do? Yes. Right. You're just like, I'm sorry, but this is, and I think it's also the way you frame it is um, I think this is what's best for both of us and the kids for us to move our communication into a place where we're just really staying focused and on topic. And that's, what's best for all of us instead of I'm not going to talk to you on by yeah. text because you I've blocked blah, 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 you. Blah, blah, blah. And this is like, I think this is what's best for us so that we can mm-hmm. stay on and for our kids. Exactly. Like, so we're mm-hmm. not getting into the crazy stuff. We're just not in conflict. Let's just keep it about this. If you're in one of those apps, I think they all have similar things where you can limit the number of um, words being sent and, and all of that. I think they all have that similar kind of benefit. No, I'm not sure yeah. about that, but yeah, maybe. 
Maybe some of them do for sure. Um, and like, you know, in our family wizard, you can, you can pay a little extra for the tone meter so that it, and it's actually really interesting. The tone meter is really good. It just like tells you if flag. the tone is off and then they won't send it. It's well, you can still send it, but at least it like, it flags it. It's like, oh, this is a little inflammatory or this, these words are, might be considered um, condescending or so it, it actually gives you a little bit of sort of coaching and you can still send it anyway, but at least you've been alerted. Right. And I think that that is just, it's a wise thing to do because you're again, putting that buffer in that Mm -hmm. he can't just like rapid fire text you anymore. And it's, it's a way for you to actually bring your, your anxiety levels down because you know, you're not going to be receiving those anymore. And it's a relief. That's right. To your point earlier, what you just said about, you know, I I have a client who she kept trying to get her husband to her ex to use the co-parenting app, but then she, and she would block him. And then she would unblock him and text him because he wasn't using oh. co-parenting. <laughs> oh, I've been and there. And I'm like, right. And I'm like, she's like, I can't get him to use the co-parenting app. I'm like, yeah, because you keep texting him. He doesn't have to. <laughs> right, right. And the other thing I want to say too, with the like minimizing contact, it's not that it's about like punishing the other person. This is actually about mm. you and your own self-care. And, and it's so you don't go into that drunk texting, <laughs> right? Where you're, where you're like, that's right. And, and you can say that you can say, I mean, not specifically, but you can say like, you know, for me, it's really important for my healing as we move through this period that for me that I put this, I put this um, structure in place, exactly. right. You don't have to make it about yeah. them. Just make it about yeah. you. They can't argue yeah. that. And that it's easier because it's all in one place. And yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I think if you, it's, it is going to be in how you frame it for sure. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Such a good conversation as always. Yes. I adore yes. you. It's awesome. Thank you for as having me back. I'm oh, always, always. Where can everybody find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at awakening women support. That's a really good place to just get started. That's the main place where I post and do videos and the link in my Instagram bio is always up to date with different things, my podcast and all of that. If anyone wants to check out my other resources, um, that is the best place definitely to get started. I love your Instagram. <laughs> That's how we met. <laughs> Thank goodness for Instagram. Thank God. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, Leanne, thank you so much. Awaken women support. And is that, what's your website? Your website is just leanne.com. Yeah. Yeah. And it's awakening women support. Yeah. Awakening women support. Sorry about that. Yes. All right. Until next time, my love. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.